0: The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2. I'm Annie Mills. Joining us we have friend of the podcast and our European expert Mia Eriksson, and we also have Lee Birch, a manager of Rugby Borough, whose side have made a flying start to the season. Welcome to the podcast, Lee and Mia.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having having us.
0: <laughs> Lots to look at, so let's start in the midweek. And it was an eventful week for Arsenal. Arsenal had seen off Linköping last week in front of a crowd of 7,805, a UEFA women's club record for Sweden, and the biggest ever for the first stage of the competition. Mia, how was the occasion for you?
1: Well, obviously, as a citizen of Linköping, it was, um, uh, yeah, I think it was special for the whole city. Uh, to have such big event in women's football. I um, think we did well uh, with uh, selling tickets and I think we did well with the marketing that game. Uh, I obviously was the press manager for Shopping this whole week. So I'm, I've been a big part uh, and a close part of the event. Um, so I'm very proud that we pulled that one off. But then Arsenal
0: dramatically fell to Paris FC on Saturday. The Gunners, who reached the semi-finals of the competition last week, came from 2-0 and 3-2 behind to force a shootout after extra time. Mathilde Bourdois scored twice in two minutes early in the second half to put Paris firmly in control, but Rousseau's first Arsenal goal pulled one back before Jem Beattie's header levelled matters deep into stoppage time. Paris led again in the second half of extra time through Julie Sawyer's first first-time finish, only for summer in Russo's fabulous 25-yarder to bring Arsenal level. However, Ndozi, he did not save a single spot kick in Nigeria's World Cup shootout defeat by England in the summer, was Paris's hero as they progressed on penalties. Mia, I don't think we saw that coming, did we?
1: No, um, I think we need to learn uh, when it comes to this stage of the Champions League that anything can happen. Uh, it's not all about quality on paper uh, here. There are so many circumstances circumstances around uh, this round of the Champions League that I do need uh, needs to be considered. I'm not making any excuses for Arsenal because Paris also have just started their preseason, uh, but obviously for me, I, I actually I I. Was by the sideline and to shoot this game, so you you don't watch it like properly through a camera lens. But I do think uh, that Arsenal for for about eighty minutes uh, out of the first ninety played very bad, um, and I and I do think that we, there were many of us uh, around that pitch that were uh, surprised. Uh, about what was going on in front of us. Um, obviously, wh- when uh, Arsenal played Linköping, they played a 4-3-3 formation. Um, they played like three forwards uh, and then Frida Manum uh, behind that uh, front three line. And then they ex- they changed that uh, ahead of Paris. Um, I do know that Jonas Edeval and and his analysts uh, so they stayed to watch Paris played, uh, play the Ukrainian team uh, after the Linköping game um, so I was quite surprised where they ended up uh, with that deciding game of what team what was going to make it to the next round
0: What have you thought of Alessi Russo so far? I feel like she settled into Arsenal quite quickly, hasn't she?
1: Yeah. Also, the thing is that she saved them like two times in that game. You could see that when she came on the pitch, stuff started to happen. Uh, happen in the attacking uh, display, and the goal she scored—I think it was for three-three—that was a real that that was star quality goal. Like she she went for it. Um, I'm not saying. There aren't strikers uh, her level that that go for it when they get the chance, but you could see that she really like brought something different and better uh, to that team uh, than what they have had before, and that it feels kind of bad of me of saying it because I'm Swedish, obviously, and we have Stina Blacksténius, but. I do think that Alessia Russo, she's, she's star quality. And, and I do think that she will be showing that uh, this season in that Arsenal side.
0: Do you think she maybe should have started the game?
1: Yes, uh, I do think so. And I do think that Jonas Edeval probably also uh, thinks that uh, right now. Uh, I'm not saying Stina Blackstinus couldn't like play uh, good football, but he changed the formation and he changed the, like the tactics um, for that game, and and that costs you. Um, and also, I think it's not fair to say that Stina is did a bad game because the whole team played a bad game. Um, so yeah, it's tough for them, and and uh, I I really. I really felt uh, for them after that game. But you could also, I mean, you must really, really say also that Paris FC, they what a performance. Uh, and the joy um, for them after, yeah, it was also really good to see.
0: The winners of each final, 11 in Champions Path, four in League Path, now go into round two alongside Wolfsburg, Paris Saint-Germain, Real Madrid, Manchester United and among others. October's two-legged ties decide the 12 teams joining holders Barcelona, Lyon, Bayern and Chelsea in the group stage. Juventus, who like Arsenal were involved in the first two group stages, also miss out this time after an epic penalty shootout against Frankfurt, who are aiming to end a nine-year wait for their fifth title. Last season's group stage contenders Benfica, St. Paulton, and Zurich are safely through but Vilzena, who made history for Albania last year, lost to Valer, who advanced with fellow former quarter-finalists Glasgow City. The last game to finish was another dramatic one, as Valerang equalised deep and added time of extra time with a penalty against Celtic, then won 11-10 on spot kicks. Mia, I'm guessing the Juventus result is the one that stands out the most for you.
1: Yeah, it it actually don't, uh, if I'm going to be honest here, because I, I actually... I. I've... I saw Eintracht uh, Frankfurt play some really good football last season. Um, I know that they have lost some players uh, from their team, but it's still like people need to stop looking at the big brands. I also think that Levante going out against uh, FC Twente was, was a big uh, bang as well. We want to talk about uh stuff like that so what I do think that we see here is that UEFA might have to look at the format uh, of the competition Uh, because if you play uh, it was the same with with Juventus and and, um, Eintracht Uh, they played full 90 minutes extra time and the game was decided on on penalties Uh, and is that right Um, that it's so so even already in round one of the qualification round I'm not sure but I'm not UEFA I don't decide things might be lucky I don't know
0: Also this week, the long-running Luis Robiala saga came to a head as he resigned as president of the Spanish FA. This follows on from Jorge Vilda being sacked as head coach and was on the same day that the Spanish high court judge was opening proceedings against him. Lee, as a male coach in women's football, how has this whole saga made you feel?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously there's the, the male perspective, but I think first and foremost, it's just a, a human perspective in general. Like it's just not been, you know, good from the word go. I think the tournament was so so good in general, and 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 everything was great about the tournament, from the quality of performances to obviously how England done, and then for it to overshadow um, the tournament towards the end, and and everything that's come out around it as and and around him is is not ideal, and 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 unfortunately. As you said, from a male perspective, you you are very aware when you're in the female game. You are you are aware of um, everything as you should be, and this has really put an unfortunate spotlight on things, I think. And ultimately, the fact that he's I believe he's he's resigned now and he's stepping away. And you know that the last I, I saw about it that was happening. I think it took far too long to get there as well. And I think that's probably the the most painful thing. I think it, if he'd it owned up to his mistake early doors and there probably wasn't the other stuff around him, something else could happen. But I think the way that the whole Spanish FA and everyone handled themselves just just looked really, really poor. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it just wasn't good for after such a great tournament.
0: Mia, this definitely needed soaring out soon, didn't it? It's been quite volcanic for the Spanish FA after everything the team did at the World Cup as well. It's such a shame for Spain.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's already, already been said uh, many times, but it, it needs to be mentioned again that, uh, of course, this was their the Spanish players' performance and the victory and the historic moment uh, for Spanish women's football overall got overshadowed by a man uh, who probably didn't. I actually been thinking about this a lot. I, I, I think he he showed how so much he underestimated the community of women's football when it did what it did uh, on the biggest stage uh, there is uh, these days. Um, and I think I'm very proud to be a part of that community now uh, of the women's game where the whole world actually got together. And I told the Linköping players, I think it was three weeks ago or something when, or two weeks ago when I saw that the NWSL teams had um, um, like put tape on their wrists and made banners um, to show... Uh, in, in the round they played that weekend. And I told the Linköping players in the morning because they were um, about to play one of the games that had been rescheduled uh, in Duke because of the Champions League that I, that I told them, I don't care what you do, take tape, take whatever you got. And because us as a w- pure women's football club, we don't have any men's teams. We need to show the value of the women's game that we're here And we're a part of this, um, and we want to show our support uh, on this matter, because this isn't just a problem in Spain, uh, and that's sad to think about. Thank you, for speaking on that.
0: On to the championship, and the only place to start is Crystal Palace's 9-1 win at Durham. Both Annabelle Blanchard and Elise Hughes bagged hat-tricks, with Hughes going one step better and grabbing four, alongside goals from Hayley Nolan and Molly Sharp. Lee, I don't think anyone saw that result coming, did they?
2: No, I I get on really well with Lee Saunders up at Durham, and and played uh, and managed against them many times, and um, always Durham was always hard to go and play against. You, You never, you know, you never got an inch from them, you know. And to see that scoreline is is a real, real shock. I think it's without without delving too much into it, it's probably obviously a really bad day at the office of Durham. Uh, combined with Palace obviously hitting some some really good form and really good stride, so um, yeah, an absolute shocker, especially against a side like Durham who are normally so hard to get anything out of.
0: And Palace are unsurprisingly top on goal difference ahead of Sunderland, who picked up a fantastic win at previously unbeaten Southampton. Jenna Deer's goal on 55 minutes proving the difference. Lee, Sunderland struggled last season, but seven points from their first three games is a good, solid start, isn't it? Yeah,
2: it's a great start. Um, I'm going to claim a little bit because they signed Mary Mcateer from us. I think Mary scored (laughs) the winner the other day and she got the assist the weekend, so... Not a surprise. They signed really well. And Jenna Deer is an absolute great player as well. Like she, I, she went abroad, um, and I, I've been trying to sign Jenna um, all the way back to my Millwall days. I think she was at Sheffield when I first came across her. Um, but she's, you know, when I saw her sign, um, yeah, I think think the recruitment that Sunderland have done has been excellent. Mary, Jenna, Amy Goddard, centre half, who I've worked with previously as well. So. Um, yeah, sounds like I'm trying to take a lot of credit here, but you know, it's a, it's a really good recruitment from Sunderland, um, adding to a, a solid base of what they've got. So yeah, another good another good performance and result.
0: Blackburn a third after they came from behind to beat Sheffield United. Isabel Godwin had given the Blades lead after two minutes, but goals from Megan Hornby and Lauren Thomas saw Rovers turn the game on its head. Watford got their first win back in the Championship as they won 3-2 away at Charlton, a double from Sophie McLean sandwiched between a goal from Carly Johns and the Hornets' three-up at the break. Carla Humphrey and Angela Addison scored second-half goals to make it a nervous ending, but Watford held on. Lauren Wade rescued a point for Reading away at London City Lionesses after Chantelle Boylorker had given the Lionesses a first-half lead. And the bottom two, Birmingham and Lewis, met at the dripping pan, Both sides had a player sent off and it finished goalless. Lee, did anything else catch your eye in the Championship this weekend?
2: Well, I think the Watford result for, for me. I think Charlton are um, probably a few people's favourites to be up there with, with the likes of Birmingham. And it hasn't really happened for either of them two. So, yeah, Watford, again, you know, brilliant recruitment. Carly Johns has come in and, and hit the ground running. Um, so, yeah, really... Really good uh, result there, and I think the Lewis Birmingham one. You know, after what the I think a week ago, you probably, or a couple of weeks ago, you would have said that as a bit of a shock. But the way Birmingham may be playing at the moment, Lewis needing to get up and running, um, that maybe wasn't uh, wasn't too much of a shock now. But yeah, I think across the across the board, it's been uh, it's been a very competitive start from everyone. Mm.
0: On to the National League and in the South Division. And Lee, it's been an interesting few months. You were, of course, in charge of Couranty United at the end of the season. They got relegated and then the club relocated and now known as Rugby Borough. You have made a great start to the season, four wins out of four. How easy or difficult has that been?
2: Yeah, it's been very difficult. I think when you get relegated from any division, there's always a transitional period. Obviously, going from the Championship to the National League, there's a huge financial transition as well. So we, we, we lost a lot a lot of financial backing that you would get from the FA. So you have that anyway. You would always have a transitional period as far as on pitch when you get relegated because players would want to stay. And as I mentioned, there's a few that were able to stay in the Championship, the Mary McAteers, Izzy Goodwins. Um, and then you, you reshuffle the pack. You look at what you need to bring you back. Um, that was obviously very, very difficult for us. We actually only retained four players from our squad from last season, from a squad of like 27. Um, there was obviously a handful we wanted to keep, the likes of Jody Bartle, who got an opportunity to go to Newcastle and, you know, be involved in their project. So that's footballing reasons, and that's fine, that's part and parcel. But the transition was tough. We had a lot of people that knocked us aside. You know, players didn't want to know. Agents didn't want to know. Nobody wanted to get involved in what we were trying to do from, a, from, from early doors. And it took a lot of convincing, a lot of signing, we, we, we kind of got players to agree, and then they backtracked the, the the whole pre-season, and not just, I think, for us, but I think this pre-season has, was a really crazy one for movement of players. There was obviously a lot of managers not in work in different clubs, so I think that whole transitional thing, let alone changing your brand and changing your club and going to a whole new place, was really, really tough. So I you know, we're a new, young group, very vibrant. I think you throw that all in. We're obviously so pleased with the start we've had because we've had some very tough fixtures in this three-game week. We've had two away fixtures as well. Um, and we've managed to get over the line in the games. But, you know, there's a long way to go. We're really pleased. And I think we've shown a few people that thought we weren't going to be anywhere near it, that we are going to be someone to to talk about this season. And as I said, there's a long way to go. Um, but so far, so good. Really pleased.
0: Do you seen that the belief is there that you can still go straight back up?
2: Yeah, there has to be. The belief Belief was always there, and I think the main thing was, uh, when I said we only kept four players, was the quality of the four players we kept. We've kept a whole midfield, kept Alana man in the back line, and then we've added some real good quality. We, we, we pulled a couple of players in from Leicester's uh, Decent Academy, um, we managed to sign Angela Nixon from uh, MK Dons who's just hit the ground running uh, and as well as Lily Greenslade and other players that have just come into it but they they have wanted to be there for the right reasons and once they come into the group that's that's really helped so yeah the belief is very much that we want to be back up there it's gonna have 101 uh, twists and tails as, as every league does but if you told me t- four weeks ago we'd be in this position, I'd have bit in your hand So, yeah, one game at a time.
0: Right on your tail is the hashtag United, who are now are quite ambitious. They beat Portsmouth by a goal to nil, thanks to a goal by Georgia Griffin. Also in the south, Billerickey won 6-1 away at London Bees. Plymouth beat Cheltenham 3-2. Ipswich, who lead the table for a lot of last season, won 1-0 away at MK Dons. And Oxford won 4-0 at home to newly promoted Cheltenham Who do you think will be up there at the end of the season, Lee?
2: Well, I think Portsmouth are are probably a lot of people's favourites. I think they recruited well and they kept the bulk of their squad. um, Which Ipswich uh, sort of lost a few, Oxford lost a few, but still have very very good players and very good sides. Obviously, Oxford changing managers, probably affecting them a little bit, but they were really good the other night when we played against them. So I think you're kind of usual suspects, but, to be honest we sat down and we at the beginning of the season as a staff we spoke about hashtag we played them last season in the fa cup as Coventry united um and you know we were comfortable on the day but they did have a goalkeeper sent off after about 25 minutes um and a very different set of circumstances so we said because we actually play them next week we've got them next so we said by the time we were playing them this week we would know where they were at and we certainly didn't underestimate them. They've got some really good players, real pace, and um, yeah. So I, I, I do think hashtag are, they're on pure merit. On, on so um, yeah, maybe the, the the usual suspects. Mk Dons have, have got a good group as well, but yeah, I think Portsmouth are probably the the team to for everyone to to chase. Well, obviously, we are at the moment, but we'll longer. we are see how long we we keep going.
0: In the north, it's Burnley who lead the way under new manager Rebecca Soviet. They have 10 points from their first four games and they've had a comfortable win away, 5-1, away at Huddersfield Town. Last season's beaten playoff finalist Nottingham Forest lost manager Andy Cook to divisional rivals Newcastle United during the summer. But so far, it's been a winning start. Three out of the, They beat AFC filed 3-1. Cookley played two league games as they beat Stoke City also by three goals to one. Liverpool feds a third after they went at home to West Brom and Storebridge were beaten 7-1 at home by Derby County. Lee, we've spoken about it on here before but it's great news that the champions of both divisions will be promoted, isn't it?
2: Yeah, massively. Um, like, when we come down, we sort of, we, we knew that we would probably go into whatever division, depending on who won of Watford and Nottingham Forest, because of just geographical. It was We were an easy one for the FA. But, like, we were sat there going this just so unfair on both teams and I know Andy Cook very well and um, what he'd done at Nottingham Forest was, was excellent. And I'm sure he probably, you know, I don't know, but probably wouldn't have moved if they'd, if they'd gone up. So yeah, I think there's, I hope Forest go, go close again. We played them pre-season um, and they were, they were really good. So yeah, but that, that Northern division, Wolves are obviously excellent. And again, have recruited well. So it's going to be a, an interesting one with Newcastle's new project and everything going on. So yeah, um, yeah, I think the same as us. There's probably four or five teams that you could talk about at an early stage uh, of going well. And the Liverpool Feds have started off superbly, you know, a real, real surprise package. So, which is good to see. Everyone, wants to, everyone likes a little surprise package. Maybe some people see that as hashtag, but Liverpool Feds are doing well as well. So, yeah, the divisions are um, stacking up quite nicely.
0: Mm, it'll be interesting to see. In other news, La Liga F was supposed to get underway this weekend, but instead players walked out for the first two rounds of fixtures over paying conditions. Negotiations began a year ago when Liga F turned professional, but the league said the players' demands would lead to economic failure. The minimum salary was set at 16,000 euros, which is £13,700, last season, but players are requesting the minimum wage should be €25,000 for the 2023 24 campaign, rising to €30,000 for the following season. Mia, once again, Spanish football is the news for the wrong reasons, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and I think it's very interesting that uh, the World Cup winners, uh, Spain and their domestic league, Liga F, uh, goes hand in hand with uh, actually number one ranked Sweden now uh, with not having a a collective bargain agreement um, in place. Because this is the case in Sweden and the Dalmatians as well. Uh, what I do think is is good in Spain at the moment, even though it's not good. But you know what I mean, uh, is that uh, players raise their voices uh, and they they take action. Um, and I'm I'm hopeful, um, carefully positive about. The fact that uh, the people in charge in Spain uh, of the domestic football for women will take action and, and see that they are worth what they are asking for.
0: In France, Lyon won the French Super Cup after beating PSG thanks to goals from Daël Demoni, who wilders in the World Cup for Haiti, and Eugene Le Sommer. Finally, lots of transfers happening as the WSL transfer window closes this week. Mia, what transfers have caught your eye across Europe so far?
1: Yeah, across Europe, I think it's very interesting to see that um, l- league winners in, in Italy last season, Roma, has uh, signed Evelyn Vience, the Canadian national team striker from a Swedish team, Krishansta, in the Dama going to be following her closely. Um, Then I also think that Jill Bayings from Bayer Leverkusen to uh, FC Bayern Munich is is a very interesting signing from what I've seen uh, from Bayern Munich playing in pre-season. I think that even though she's young, she's just 22, she's going to be a a very important player for for FC Bayern. Um, And uh, Speaking of Dutch players, I also think that Esme Brucht to Barcelona... Uh, from PSV Eindhoven is is also a good signing to keep an eye out for, uh, and to to finish this off with some WSL. Then I would say that uh, Sophie Roman Haug, the Norwegian national team player from from Roma, uh, has signed with Liverpool. Uh, I think that's also a very good signing of Liverpool, and I'm I'm very excited to see her play.
0: Well, that's it from us. Thank you so much, Lee and Mia, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast via all good platforming podcasting platforms and give us a follow on Twitter at TWFP1 and on Instagram, it's the Women's Football Podcast. Thanks, guys. The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2.